Hello, and welcome back to our podcast series, 10 Themes for Investing for Tomorrow, where each month I talk to an investment expert from Capital Group to discuss various challenges and opportunities for investing for tomorrow. Now, today we're talking about healthcare innovation, and my guest is Julie Dixon, who you might remember from a previous podcast, an investment director at Capital Group based in London. Julie, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. Well, let's dive straight into this. I mean, many of us feel a little bit more expert in the field of healthcare innovation as a direct result of the COVID pandemic. Before drug lead time has been notoriously long for health reasons, safety reasons, the level of research and safety required is about 15 years in the past, but this is changing enormously. And again, thinking of COVID with its global cooperation results were outstandingly speedy. So what does this mean for investors? Well, this is a really great um, question because COVID has shown a lot of light onto what pharmaceutical companies or any company for that matter that's involved in healthcare can achieve. And the really key three ingredients for a successful uh, pharmaceutical or healthcare company is innovation, research and development, and distribution. And what COVID has shown a light on is exactly how that can come together really quickly when times demanded for the rollout of the vaccines that we've heard about. There's many uh, pharmaceutical names that have become household names around the world. But the key thing here is that about 10, 15 years ago, as you, as you mentioned, it would take about 15 years to roll out a new drug into the marketplace for wide distribution. COVID crunched that into two years, but probably would have taken 10 years uh, to develop. So clearly, there is an ability for companies to adapt and innovate to actually get those kinds of drugs and medications out into the marketplace. In fact, one of the key statistics that we'll say is that the number of drugs that were de- new drugs that were delivered between 2007 and 2016 was 29. But in the last, I would say, four or five years, that number is now 51 on average. So clearly, there's an ability for companies to innovate and distribute as on anything so what, from COVID, obesity to diabetes, cystic fibrosis, uh, heart conditions. It is really broad and really deep, and it's a very exciting industry. Well, you mentioned something that's so important to the world. In fact, obesity, the weight loss market, very interesting one to investors. And even your colleagues have written an interesting paper on this, which I've read. What investment opportunities does this open up? Because it affects everyone. Well, certainly, I mean, obesity is probably the most significant healthcare issue of our time. And one would even consider it as having been now grown to epidemic levels. Uh, to give you an idea, uh, globally, there are more than 530 million adults, which are diabetic, but there are over 650 million people who are clinically obese, which means that their body mass index is more than 30. Uh, that is a considerable staggering number. And it's not just in those kinds of countries where you know they're well populated, like in the U.S. or Europe, where the U.S. actually obesity is the number one healthcare issue. But we're seeing this in China, we're seeing this in India, Mexico, and in China in particular, that number is actually accelerating. So this is a real big problem. And companies uh, uh, that are able to respond to what is an ever-growing and even accelerating demand for on drugs, for therapies, for medications, to address and tackle this problem, in our view, are going to be those that are going to win because they're going to be uh, forced to innovate, forced to accelerate the distribution, 
make it efficient, get drugs to trial, get them tested, get them out in the public place. And those companies are able are at the front end of doing that are those who believe have a real clear edge over other companies. And we also have seen huge advances in early disease detection and therefore ultimately the prevention of it being tackled too late. And indeed, there's some research into all sorts of rare diseases alongside the more common ones, as you've just described, all yielding great results year on year. What are the most exciting fields of healthcare innovation to you? I mean, absolutely. And this is a really exciting area, but I'll focus on two key aspects of the healthcare industry that have enabled this to happen, whether it's a rare form of cancer, a rare form of some sort of blood disease. You know, there are so many things that are, that are moving so fast right now. But the two key areas that have enabled this is one, biotech or biotechnology, where you have the uh, merger of high-end technology, artificial intelligence with diagnostics and processing of data and analytics. Uh, those companies in the biotech area that are able to provide that quick and highly accurate and highly precise diagnostic and analysis uh, of uh, you know, certain types of bloods or other types of of tissue samples, et cetera, that enable uh, the uh, uh, either the pharmaceuticals or the doctors or nurses or hospitals uh, to then respond uh, with the right level of treatment uh, for those diseases is absolutely critical. So again, we're getting that innovation, but not necessarily in the traditional areas of pharmaceutical companies. We're getting that through biotech and access to those diagnostics, which is absolutely crucial. The other area uh, that we're seeing a lot of innovation is actually in the surgical area of, uh, of uh, the um, a healthcare center, which basically where you have uh, patients who require some sort of invasive operation or surgery, um, the more precise, the more targeted, the less invasive that procedure becomes, the less time uh, is, is required to recover, which means the less time spent in a hospital bed. And as we all know, uh, many hospitals, especially in the UK, but even around Europe and, and the US, are really at almost at crisis levels. They just don't have enough space because there's still some knock-on effects from COVID with people being really ill. Uh, there's some knock-on effects of people having other diseases. Uh, there's a backlog of operations coming through. So the quicker you can get in and out, the better. And so those companies are able to provide those tools, those surgical tools uh, to enable these hospitals to operate far more efficiently uh, in, uh, in those kind of situations, also a really significant part of innovation. And hospitals are under increasing pressure to be able to discharge patients more quickly. So this is, again, another significant area of demand and very exciting for us. Well, Julie, again, you've touched on something that is so vital there. A minimal time in hospital for a few reasons actually is good all around. And with current healthcare innovation, it's very broad, as you've described, very fast changing landscape, as you've described. Now, there's the growing potential for self-diagnosis, home treatment, self-monitored, administered, and more tailor-made approaches to medical needs, which is, of course, especially useful with long-term disease. So thinking about all of this, has the speed in healthcare innovation altered how you view long-term investment choices and horizons? Absolutely. I mean, one of the key things that we saw, you know, grow more and more, and actually COVID is a great example of this because COVID really brought the whole concept of self-diagnosis home to people's households where they were able to order a test kit, do their own test, see the results, and then manage it from there without ever having to go into a hospital or into uh, their, uh, general, no, their, their, their doctor's office, et cetera. 
And we're seeing that a lot more also in other areas, such as, for example, diabetics, where people are able to do their own uh, uh, monitoring of their uh, blood sugar levels. They can use an app on their phone. It's completely wireless. It's a massively addressable market, uh, again, because of over 530 million adults have diabetes. So this is, again, another area of growth. And this is something that's not going to go away anytime soon. So there is a path of long-term growth around this that we can really take advantage of. And there are companies who are spending a considerable amount of time just looking at improving uh, the diabetic patient's lives through these wireless and painless testing and technologies. Well, I mean, what a landscape you're painting for us. So let's think about this then. Maybe some of your colleagues might say if the 2010s were the area for the, uh, sorry, I'll start that again. What a landscape you're painting us there. And of course, we've all witnessed it. We've all been part of it with the COVID experience. Now, some of your colleagues might say the 2010s were the era for tech titans. And if so, would you say the 2020s could be the decade of healthcare? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in fact, if you look at the last eight major market downturns, healthcare has outperformed in every single one uh, in, in the global equity market. So it just shows you just how resilient this kind of investment can be, even in the face of recessions, uh, interest rate rises, uh, funding levels, et cetera. That's the first thing. The second thing also I want to touch on is actually in China. You know, China has been developing its own healthcare sector dramatically over the last several years. The reason is they have an aging population, the population that is also a growing in wealth that's demanding more healthcare services, and the government itself wants to make healthcare more accessible and more affordable. And you're talking about a massive market in China alone. So between the two, you have this mass, this, this huge investments in capital across both government funding, uh, self-funding, and companies in particular that are well capitalized today that don't need to borrow at this increasing uh, interest rate uh, level are, and are able to self-fund their growth, either through acquisitions or just through organic growth, we believe present incredibly compelling investment opportunities, not least because these are also companies, if they're well-funded, have a tendency to also pay dividends, uh, which makes them even more attractive on a total return basis. And so there's a lot of aspects around this in terms of the sustainable growth, this bit of income, and this long-term opportunity through these innovation and through uh, these large addressable markets. It's an absolutely fascinating field. Well, as always, Julie, thank you for your energy, for your expertise, and all of the plentiful examples you've shared with us on this podcast. Now, dear listeners, to find out more, you can check out our podcasts on investments on the Paper Jam, Delano, Capital Group websites. You can listen back to previous topics we've covered, such as why bonds now, dividends, comeback, pricing power, ESG, and many more, including all of Series 1. We hope you subscribe to this series. Do send us your feedback. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Past results are not a guarantee of future results. This communication is of a general nature and not intended to provide investment advice or to be a solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Statements attributed to an individual represent the opinion of that individual and may not necessarily represent the views of Capital Group or its affiliates.